Welcome back to Money Talk. Greg Somerville along with Craig Snyder. Um, I had a, a lunch with a, a good buddy who's in the real estate, like commercial real estate area. Um, and we talked a lot about valuations and how valuations everywhere are somewhat stretched. Um, there's still opportunities everywhere, but in the real estate area, and I don't know how it's reflected in rents, but it seems like valuations are stressed in almost every area, whether it's real estate or um, stock market, um, being at the top end of their range for a long period of time here. So, and I think that's <clears throat> excuse me, that's that's exactly correct. And you know, I was looking at an article, rents rose. He was talking about cap rates at like. He does more buildings, like right, big right. stuff. And that's and more, and I mean, he was talking about cap rates of 5.5%, which he would ordinarily sneer at, right? right. And, and now it's kind of like, well, you know, it's hard yes. to find much better than that. But no, that, 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 that's awesome. Um, you know, because, because the prices have gone up and interest yeah. rates are low, and, the, and the, when, you, when you plug in the numbers and there's only so much of a dollar that you can squeeze out of an investment property. Right. You know what? What's it worth? I mean, you know, without a bubble happening and people being stupid, yeah, which, which is what happened before. And I don't think we've hit. You know, I don't want to call anybody stupid, so I apologize out there. But the actions were were not the the smartest. Um, <laughs> you know, paying way overpaying. There was a lot of stupid people there, there, there at was, that point, yeah. or and people making bad decisions. Making people, make, I mean, you, you can't. And I've said this many times. You can't go into investment property saying I'm going to subsidize it forever, thinking it's going to go up 20% a year, and that's where I'm going to get all my money back. Right. That, right. That's the cash like, flow has to work. Cash flow has to work, or you have to know that maybe you're early into a, an area and that you're going to have to subsidize it because you, you've got some insight to, to what's happening and growing in the area. You know, the, the Delaware beaches, you know, their rents don't work down there. They right. never worked, right. unless you're on right. the ocean right. block. Right. Right. You know, um, nothing really works from a financial. Well, that's because you're you're only renting it for two or three months. Co correct. Right. Whereas you go farther south, you get a little bit longer period of time. The cash right. flow works. Right. Um, but you know, if you come back off off, you know, let's say anywhere west of Route One, you know, you, you're just never going to cover your rent. Right. No, no matter what it is, and you've got to say, okay, what's the reason behind that? But this was rents rise three point one percent over December of last year. Now, is that national? That was a national okay. average. And then I couldn't get into where that local was. But, you know, what it, and the biggest increase was in your lower priced affordable rentals. Um, and what it basically was saying was now's an opportunity maybe to look at buying for those people. You know, you still might yeah. be able with rates low, you know, some townhomes or apartments down on, you know, Route 40 are gone 16, 17, $1,800 a month. You can own a nice little home for that. Right, you right. Know, it might be a little bit area different, but and you want to know you're you want to know you're going to be there for a little bit, though, right? You do want to know you're going to be there, and and it's kind of you know depending on your age and it's fixed where you're going to be. The other article that, that I didn't write any notes down on was about millennials, and it was saying that the millennials, which are 22 to 29, are going to spend a hundred thousand dollars in rent by the time they're 30. Okay. Um, which is one third, one right. half of an right. average home price here. Right, right. So if you're going to stay there, and again, unless you, you're one of those people that have to jump around from apartment to apartment, and that's not cost efficient. Moving, you know, no, the, no, you know, no. you're, you're yeah. going to throw a lot of money away. Yeah. Try to, you know, if it, and I don't want to say. Stretch. How long do you think you need to 
think you're going to live someplace to buy a place? An average lifespan of living in a place is seven years. And that's, if I was just off the top of my head, and I'm just a regular non-real estate Joe, if I wasn't, if I didn't know I was going to be in the city for three years, I wouldn't even think about buying. I would agree with that. So that puts seven years average stay puts it at double that. Now seven years in the area, like what if you expand average stay to in living in the area? Like a lot of times you live someplace seven years and you just buy a bigger house in the same place. Yeah. I, I would tell you that once you're in the area- average is 10, 12 years maybe or oh, longer. Yeah, probably even longer depending okay. upon your career path, right? Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, you know, for years, everybody around here, you know, going back, DuPonters were here for 18 months, right? right. They were on a career path. Right. Very right. few were here for life but your bankers were here for life. Um, so there, there's a lot of good things out there to talk about. Oh, I did print it out. New study reveals millennials will spend $100,000 in recent in rent costs by the age of 30. Um, they're calling them the overpaid generation. <laughs> and they'll have nothing to show for it. Right, you know. They, Except they for their flexibility, which they value very highly. Right, so that's, you know, a couple different things out there. The other thing that we always talk about, or I always talk about. FICO. Like, is credit scores. Okay. Um, and I found an article, the five things that make up your credit scores, and I'm just going to kind of take this segment. And I'm just going to gratuitously mention that my credit score was 10 points higher than my wife's when we apply for our stuff. So. Which is unusual. Because what usually... Can I tell you? What can I tell you? The spouse that... Maybe scientists aren't as responsible as they, claim, <laughs> as they think they are. But. It had nothing to do with science. All right, all right. It had to do with debt loans. <laughs> I don't know about that. But go ahead. But go ahead. That, that's typically. So the, the five factors that make up your credit scores um, are payment history, credit utilization, amounts owed in the number of accounts, a credit mix, which means revolving installment mortgages, new credit, how much have you opened it in the length of your credit history. Um, so when you get into that, the payment history is, you know, it's what it is. It's how often paying on time, paying on time. And how long have you paid on time? Um, that is actually the biggest number that goes into your credit scores. That's 35% in the FICA scoring model. That, that's pretty huge. Payments 30 days or more past due, charge off collections, repossessions, foreclosures, and bankruptcies severely damage your credit score. Missing a single payment. That means you forget to pay a credit card or your car payment. One month can lower your score from 60 to 120 points. Get off out of here. Score. That's ridiculous. So. You know, most credit card companies um, will give you one time a year an oops, you know, pick right. up the phone. Um, right. And most most people will give you an oops. Remember, these are the big key here. That's before they report you. That, well, so here's the, right. So they'll also go back and say, we're not going to charge you late fees or whatever, those right. kind of things. But the key is 30 days. You know, if, if you would charge because you had a car repair of $2,000, you know, and you're like, oh, I'll charge it, I'll pay it off at the end of the month, and something happened that money didn't come in, make your minimum payment. Right, right, you right, know, right. That doesn't mean that you're late. So if you're late, you should also, if it's a mistake and an oversight, you should call up and say, hey, I don't want these fees, I don't want this, right? You should argue. And see, and, and, okay. and most of the time, they've got the latitude, the person on the phone to say, yes, sir, Mr. Schneider, I I'll do take see that it. off. Just, you've been good for five years. Yeah, right. And we're, we're going to just remove it okay. and save yourself. And you did that, right? Yeah, I do that. Fair, I do that <laughs> once every few years, I'd say. Right. Some happens. Some happens, you're traveling, or, you miss yeah. something that, yep. you know, um, I had a friend who, who car loan somehow was getting paper statements, and when he logged onto the website, clicked auto 
the, the email documents. Right. And they sent it to the wrong email. Oh, okay. Because they had an old one in their system. Yeah. Credit utilization, 30% of your credit score. What this means is if I've got a $10,000 credit card limit and I use $5,000 of it, I've used 50% of the credit utilization. Is that high or low? 50% below is where you want to keep the numbers. You don't want to okay. have all your credit cards cashed out. If you have a credit card, a small limit of 2000 and you go to $2,010, that's a huge negative because you went over it. Oh, wow. Okay. So you got to make sure you get them down below that. Um, so whenever somebody calls to increase your credit, assuming you have some discipline, you should have them raise your credit rate. Absolutely. So when I'm working with customers and we're trying to get their credit utilization, debt utilization managed to get it down, the two You'll have them call them up and ask, ask for a for, higher right, limit? It okay. does the same thing as writing a check. Wow. Okay. So, so from, a, from a standpoint, mix up your credit strategically. You know, have a couple installment loans, have a couple credit cards. Paying off your credit card every month is okay. It doesn't have anything to do with that. New credit. Um, you know, don't go out there and open up a million new credit cards at one time, but having different things is, is okay. Um, the, we've got about 40 seconds left, and the one last thing that I want to talk about, and I'll probably carry over, is credit checks. What are credit inquiries, and how do they affect your credit scores? This is a big question I get no, all the time. No, I'm telling you, I think people always want to know that. They're afraid if they op if they uh, if they open up another credit card that that if, if a lot of people are asking about your credit, is that bad? Right. No, absolutely. And and this will talk about the soft inquiries and a hard inquiry. Which is always the question. I don't know that people really understand what the difference is. So we're going to get to that. I'm Craig Snyder with RMS Mortgage and then Greg Somerville of Somerville Investments. If you have any questions, we'll be back in a couple seconds.